Thanks for tuning in to the Voyage Church Podcast. Our desire is that today's message will be significant for all of us on the voyage of becoming. Awesome. Y'all need to walk back out and ask, you guys good? You guys excited to be in church today? Look, life is too short to do boring church, y'all. I know some of you are like, I was not ready for that skinny little white boy to start jumping around like that. Look, I get it, but he's just too good and he's too faithful. You don't understand. A whole bunch of us just packed up our families and moved to this city because God gave us a word. And I'm going to show up. I'm going to have fun. And I believe that God wants to change some people's lives. Um, it's been so cool to see new people constantly just connecting and engaging here at Voyage Church. And it really is. This morning I was like, man, I can't believe we're only three weeks into actual services. But people are showing up and excited for what God's going to do. And you're willing to show up in this little elementary school. And so we're just grateful that you're here. Um, and I would just say this. When it comes to Voyage Church and what we do on Sundays, we do two things really, really well. Worship and the Word. Those are two things we'll do really, really well. We might miss some other stuff. But worship and the word are two things that you know will do well because we know that worship, it honors God. He's worthy of it. And I know that the word of God, it changes us. I know that it changes us. And, and, and if you're here today and you're like, I, I don't know, I've never really gotten to the word of God. I've never really read it before. That's okay. You can just sit. And I promise you, this is not like a self-help. I don't have anything good to offer you um, in and of myself. Only the word of God. Like this is where change comes from. And so what we've been doing kind of as we launched the church if you were here week one, we obviously had a lot of friends and guests in the room, friends who traveled from around the nation to support us as we launched this church. And uh, I know you might come in here and be like, man, it's just kind of a small church right now. Just know that we might be small in number, but we're big in vision. And I promise you that what you see now is not what you'll see in five years. And that's what's the most beautiful thing about the voyage is that when you stay on it, literally God begins to show his goodness and reveal more and more the longer that you're following him watched a lot of people say yes to Jesus, but only stayed faithful for a little bit and walked away because they got disappointed quickly. And Jesus never said we wouldn't have disappointments, but he did say that he promised he would be with us always, even to the end of the age. And so saying yes and staying on the voyage, there's nothing else like it. And so week one, we just kind of talked about what it was like to encounter the Father. And then last week, I really, for the next few weeks, I want to focus on opening up the scriptures, and just looking at the life of Jesus. Now, again, I don't know where you're at in your faith. Maybe you're like, dude, I don't even really believe this whole God thing. Totally cool, but you cannot discredit or, or, or say that, it, that Jesus, the, the human, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, didn't walk the planet. Archaeologically, historically, we can prove that. Now, whether you believe he was the son of God or not, well, that's going to take faith, okay? Just as much as it's going to take faith for you to get out on the highway in two nights from now and drive on a two-lane road with yellow painted lines splitting you and someone else that you've never met, and you're probably going to drive about 10 miles over the speed limit, and you, by faith, are going to trust that someone you don't know heading in your direction, possibly the speed limit or faster, is going to stay on the other side of the painted lines. See, faith is not do you have it or not. It's where do you place it? We all have faith. When was the last time you went to a restaurant and ordered a drink and said, hey, um, waiter, waitress, I'm going to follow you to the back because I just want to make sure that you don't put Clorox in my Coke. Okay? No one does this. But then why do you just, they bring the drink and you drink it. Why? Because there's this faith. We, we were built with it. We place it in things all the time. What I've found for many people when they begin to struggle with faith in God or maybe you believe in God and maybe there's areas that you struggle to trust God in. It's because when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to Christianity, it's the only thing on the planet that says surrender and win. Think about it. What else in life do you think you could walk into a battle with another army and be like, we surrender? God, score. We won. Doesn't happen. How in the kingdom? The kingdom is the only place where you can say, I surrender 
and you win, you get the victory. And so what I wanted to do the next few weeks is point you directly to Jesus. Look at the way that Jesus lived his life, what he did on earth, how he talked, how he engaged with people. Because the Jesus we see in the Bible is the same Jesus that's in the room today. He's here. And he shows up by his spirit, the Holy Spirit in the room. And so according to scripture, the Holy Spirit is the one who teaches us. And so when I preach, um, I'm always going to ask him to come teach us. So will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we pray that you teach us today in Jesus' name. Amen. I love praying those prayers because people are like whiplash. They're like, oh, my gosh. Well, I don't need a long prayer. I just need him to teach us, okay? It's, it's his job, not mine. I'm just a vessel. I like to say it around here because it's kind of fun because we got a church now. I'm just a voyage vessel. Call it cheesy. I'm a cheesy preacher. I don't care. I'll, I'll say whatever I want to say. Anyways, sometimes I make statements to my wife's like, John, that's cheesy. I'm like, yeah, but I got the mic, so I'm a voyage vessel. All right. So maybe you've followed us on social media. Maybe you've walked down the hallway and you've seen this statement. If you walked down the hallway today, you saw it, unless you were, like, looking at your shoes. But there's this statement we have. It's the voyage of becoming. And maybe you've seen it on something, and you're like, what? The, becoming what? What does that mean? What is that? And so the title of my message is The Voyage of Becoming. I want to explain it. I want to unpack it. I want to let you know that it is directly connected to your life. It's what you are becoming. It's what God and his heart and his desire is for you. And there's a guy in the Bible in John chapter 3. His name is Nicodemus. And I believe Nicodemus is the best picture. He has some encounters with Jesus, three of them to be exact. And he's a perfect example of what it looks like to go on the voyage of becoming. And so that's who we're going to look at today. But um, one of the things I like to do, I define things. So the word become in the dictionary, its definition literally means to grow to be or to turn into. So when you're becoming, you are growing to be or you are turning into. Now, becoming isn't always good, right? Sometimes it's like you're becoming a jerk. You know, like, hey, you might need to think about a different job because you're becoming miserable, right? So becoming is not this thing that automatically is a road that leads you to, to, to greatness or to a peaceful life. We can all be becoming something, and sometimes, I don't know about you, but I found myself in seasons becoming something that I never wanted to be. I always found it interesting as I would pastor young people for many years, and I would watch a young person have a brother or sister who is just living like a crazy lifestyle. And that younger sibling would look at that and be like, I don't ever want to become like that. But because of hurt and un, like unhealed pain and trauma and unwilling to surrender to God and let God do the deep work in their lives, it would only be from 8th, ninth grade that they would be like, I never want to be like them, to be 11th, 12th grade making the, sa sa the very same decisions and headed down that road. And so here's what I've learned about becoming. What you sow, you will become. When I say sow, S-O-W, sowing and reaping. And, and I, I guess I could say it this way. Whatever you allow into your life will ultimately come out of your life. And whatever comes out of your life is what you will begin to attract to your life, which then in turn will only sow more of that into you. I'm, I, I talk with people like, yeah, I listen to all different types of stuff, you know. Um, I always love talking with young people, and they're like, I just listen to music because I like the way it sounds. No, you like the way it sounds, but you also know every word. And whatever you listen to gets in you. Whatever gets in you comes out of you. Whatever comes out of you, you begin to attract. And, you, and that's who you'll end up being in five years. You'll become what you sow. Whatever you're allowing in, whatever you're intentionally. So we can all get on this journey of becoming, this voyage of becoming, and show up to some places. It was like, I didn't expect that. I didn't know I was going to end up there. Because usually no one wakes up and goes, you know what? I'm going to be an addict. I'm committed. I'm going to make this happen. That's a joke, by the way. No one does this. This is not how people become 
and get into places that are very bad. It is there are these small things over time, right? They become habits, and then you start becoming something, and you end up a place you're like, how did I get here? That's why when many of us have pain, there are those of you in the room, adults, like your kids are even grown, and you've got pain from the way that a mother or father treated you or didn't treat you or wasn't present, and it's been undealt with, and the Lord still wants to heal it because your greatest days are not behind you. Your greatest days are still ahead of you if you allow Jesus to do the work. And so we can all be on, be on this voyage of becoming something. First John chapter 2, verse 6, just a simple scripture that I cling to. It says, if you claim Christ, I don't know if you're in here and you're like, yes, I follow Jesus. If you claim Christ, you ready for it? You must walk like him, First John 2, 6. This is not an if you claim Jesus, hey, give it your best shot. No, if you claim Jesus, if you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, you must walk like him. And that's not a call to perfection. That's a call to commitment. That's a call to saying, I just want to become who Christ died for me to be. I've always had the thought, man, if Jesus was willing to die for me, what could I give everything to live for him? He's worthy of that. And so 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, because I want to make sure you understand this idea of becoming. It says, the old is gone. And everything has become new. Now, when you read that scripture, you're like, hey, John, the Bible says that I've already become. I'm not on a voyage of becoming. In Jesus, I've already become brand new. Yes and no. Yes in spirit, no in flesh. Because the spirit and the flesh constantly battle each other. If you're in this place today and you're like, I've never given my heart and life to Jesus. I don't know nothing about all this. Look, for you, it's just you, you're going to answer to your flesh. You're going to do what feels good, and you're going to follow that. The moment you invite God into your life, the Holy Spirit shows up, and now there's this battle between the flesh and the spirit. And so when you become a Christian, you are made brand new in the spirit. But your flesh, I don't know about y'all, but someone cuts me off in traffic, I might be a pastor. And good thing I don't have the whole Voyage Church logo. I just got VC, and not enough people know what that means because I be getting mad sometimes. Like in the flesh, y'all, I'm still becoming like Jesus because they don't always show up like Jesus. Anybody with me? Just me? Okay, good. There's a couple heathens in here. I was, th- I was hoping so. I don't want a church of perfect people. No perfect people allowed, okay? So all things have become new. In the spirit, you're brand new. But in the flesh, we are all on this voyage of becoming. And this is what we see with Nicodemus. And I would say this right before I read John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. There is nothing better than following Jesus, and some things, I I don't know about you, but there's some things in my life I just want to learn really quick. Like, I wish I could just learn it real quick. I read something the other day that said, in school, they teach you lessons so that you can take a test, but in life, you get tests that end up teaching you lessons, and I was like, oh, somebody preaching. It was like unknown. I was like, I don't know who that is. That's good. That's a whole word. I became an adult, and I was like, how come they ain't teach me taxes? I'm 33, still confused, okay? But think I got to come on. Some things are only learned on the voyage. This is not about figuring something out fast. This is about building a life that that will literally last. It will outlast you and I. That's what legacy is. Something that outlasts you and I. And I believe this guy Nicodemus in the Bible, he finds it. John chapter 3 starting in verse 1. There was a man named Nicodemus. Everybody say Nicodemus. All right. A Jewish leader, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Pause. Very interesting that he goes to Jesus at night because he's a religious leader. Him and all his homeboys don't like Jesus. Jesus is causing issues. People are loving his teachings. And Nicodemus and his boys are like, this guy's causing problems. But Nicodemus secretly has been leaning back going, this guy's got some good stuff. 
this podcast is good. Like, I like this. And so at night, the Bible's very clear that at night he goes because he doesn't want to be seen or known by any of, any of his friends to know that he's going and asking Jesus questions. And then he even rats out all his friends. He said, hey, I know how they act out in public. We all know you're from God. We know it. They all believe it. Don't tell them I told you that, but we all know it. This is what Nicodemus is doing this very moment. He says, your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Verse 3. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And this is where Nicodemus is like, okay, maybe this guy is a little crazy. Never mind. What do you mean? Exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb to be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. Everybody say born again. I don't know about you, but if you've ever met someone who's like, look, I'm just, this is my life, and I was just born this way, and I don't care what God says. Look, in the church, there is no pointing fingers, looking at people, calling things uh, something greater than something else. I just tell people when they're struggling with something, I was just born this way. I say, that's awesome. Jesus says we can get born again. Yeah, yeah, you can get reborn. So if you were born into something that you're struggling with, Jesus says you can be born again so that that thing can die and all things can become new. See, the church for so long called people out with certain sins and made people feel less than. And Jesus is just showing up being like, yeah, I know. I know you're terrible. I got it. That's why I'm going to die for all of you. That's why Jesus showed up. He's like, look, I get it. You're all struggling. Get born again. It's a brand new life. You can start over. And so Jesus is like, don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. Um, And verse 8, the wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Again, this takes faith. This is something supernatural. Verse 9, how are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you're a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you about what we know and have seen, and yet you don't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how could you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? Can I just pause and say for a second, if you're wanting to know deeper things about the truths of God, there are some things that we just have to do in the natural before revelation happens in the supernatural. This is what Jesus is telling Nicodemus. If you don't understand the earthly things I'm talking about, how will you ever understand the heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven, and as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, ain't got time for that, let's just move on. So the Son of Man must be lifted up, it's a type and shadow of Jesus being lifted on the cross, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Verse 16, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have, anybody know that verse? Anybody learned it in Awana? Anybody? I got any RAs in the house? Anyway, I'm talking, if you're a church person, you're like, I got it. rest of y'all are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Sorry, hashtag church kid. That was me. Um, John 3.16. Even if you're not a Christian, you've heard it. Did you know that the context of John 3.16 was not Jesus standing on a mountaintop going, for God so loved the world. No, it was to one guy in the middle of the night who was scared for his friends to find out that he was curious about the things of Jesus. Jesus, one-on-one, he says to Nicodemus in this dark room, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that so whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17, which we never quote, which we should quote, because a lot of people don't come to church because they think one thing and Jesus said a different thing. God sent his son into the world not to judge or condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is why Jesus showed up. And then verse 18 through 21, he continues on 
about the condemnation and the judgment. But I just need you to see, this is the first time Nicodemus encounters Jesus. Now, from this moment, Nicodemus leaves the room. We don't have anything in Scripture that says Nicodemus falls on his knees like, Jesus, I want to be born again. Like, I want to get saved. I give you my life. We don't have that. That's not there. All we know is he asks some questions. Jesus answers very Jesus style, kind of making him be like, what are you talking about? Like, this is crazy. And what I love about this moment is Nicodemus, I don't know where he was before, but he was thinking, I just want to ask him some questions. And I would just say this to you. If you are ever find yourself in a place where you're wanting more of God and you're wanting to lean in, seize the moment. Don't let the moment seize you. Go after it. Go after it. That's what Nicodemus did. He had to, in some way, shape, or form, be like, even if they catch me, even if they find out, I'm going to ask him these questions. So point number one today is this. On the voyage, your questions are valid and valued. Your questions are valid and valued. If you are in this room today and you're like, I believe God, or I'm struggling to believe God, but I got some questions, your questions are okay. Jesus will answer them. And I know a lot of times what we do, we have pastors or maybe you got friends that you, you look up to spiritually, and that's all great. But when was the last time you had some questions, you were like, I'm kind of struggling, and you set up a moment to Jesus, I'm meeting with you in a parking lot in your car, waking up early on the back porch, whatever it is, saying, Jesus, I got some questions. I, I don't know about you, but there's times I get frustrated and I get mad at God. You know what I learned? 2013, I had a friend look at me. He was like, how mad are you? I was like, I'm ticked. And I'd rather use a different word, but I'm kind of scared that God might, I'm, I'm ticked. And he said, go tell him. I said, what do you mean? He said, God's a big boy. He can handle it. He said, go tell him. Go tell him how you feel. Relinquish it all and see what he does. And I'll never forget being in Mississippi, going out to this picnic table. We're at this, at, at this camp and just sitting there and just really just allowing God to just have it. God, I'm going to give you one. And then you learn really quick that God's like, okay, you done? All right, come on. Let, let's get going. Let's get back to your purpose because that was a little bit of complaining and I can handle it. But this is what Nicodemus did. He showed up to Jesus and he had questions. If you have questions, ask him. Ask him. See if he won't show up and answer. I promise you he will. I promise you he will. And don't expect like, you know, this, this head to pop into the screen back porch. But hey, all right, listen. No, I'm. Just ask, and sometimes it's asking and it's walking away and just seeing what he does throughout the day. Watch him put someone in your path. Watch a text message come across your phone like, what the heck? How There's no way. You're going to watch him show up because your questions to Jesus are valid and they're valued, just like with Nicodemus. So that's the first time we see Nicodemus. And I would write this down if you're taking notes because it's a good quote. Uh, this is from John Maxwell, not me. The greatest leaders of tomorrow are the greatest question askers of today. Ask questions. Ask questions. And I, I think about Nicodemus, here's, here's this one piece that's a little bit of a problem with this moment. He has questions, and he is asking Jesus, but there's still this thing that I don't want anybody else to know. I don't need, I, I'm, I'm being honest, but not like completely honest, you know what I mean? It's like, I, Jesus, you can know, but don't let anybody else know. Here's what I learned about honesty. You will never have legacy without honesty in your life. If you want to leave a legacy, which, by the way, you can only leave a legacy if you live one. And that's God's desire, that you and I would live a legacy, live something that could be passed on to generations of what it looks like to be faithful to God, to see God's principles alive in your life and that they work, to, to, for stories to be told once you're gone that your children and grandchildren are telling those stories. I was thinking about our twins, and I told some of our team the other day, you know, we started meeting in October as a church, just vision casting. 
And I started thinking about the fact that there's some people in the room who were there in October that are going to get to tell our twins what those days were like because my twins weren't there. Like there are, there's legacy that people have already been a part of that they'll get to talk about. You'll never have a legacy without honesty. So there's this moment. We're headed up to Kentucky uh, a year ago to go give uh, one of our cars. God had just blessed our family with a situation. So we had a car that uh, it was a 2014 Camry. It was in great shape. We had some pastor friends, car situation, and we just felt like the Lord said, give them your car. So we drove us and our two babies up to Kentucky, gave them a car, and then we jumped on a plane and flew back. And um, it, it was a fun little trip. But on our way, we stopped in South Carolina to eat at Hash Brown Hibachi. Waffle House, sorry. Um, Waffle House, that's what Summer Kate calls it, hash brown hibachi. And we stop at this Waffle House, and we're in this Waffle House, and, like, Shauna goes over to, like, Jukebox. She, like, puts some songs in. You know, they got the music going, whatever. If you know anything about Shauna, there's definitely a few country songs in there. Um, not per se my cup of tea, but she married it, and when she plays it, I like it. It's kind of hot, even though I don't really, anyways. So music's playing, hash brown hibachi, flying out on the table, and this dude just runs in. He just runs in. He hides by the jukebox. And I was like, dinner and a show. What is going on? And then he's like, hey, hey, God, there. he's trying to get me. He's trying to get me. I was like, oh, Lord. I just want to eat some hash browns covered in chunks. Like, I didn't know what's going on. There's other guys in the parking lot. He's dropping F-bombs. He's like this. He's looking for the guy. Like, I, I think he thinks maybe he's in Waffle House or there's a gas station. He's not quite sure, but he knows that guy somewhere. And so, anyways, that guy gives the, that's inside Waffle House gives the people this, like, story. And Sean is like, can, can y'all lock the door? Um, you know, make sure this guy didn't come in. We got our kids in here. And the waitress, she's like, I can't lock the door. It's like against the rules, but baby, I promise he comes in here. Yeah, he did. Like she would, I was like, just stand right there, girl. You got it. I trust you. Okay. And so here we are. They, they end up talking with this guy. He gives them this whole story. This guy beat me up. He did all this stuff. Yada, yada. So we're there. I mean, it's just a very interesting 30 minutes. Cops show up, two different cop cars show up. And we finish our meal, so we're kind of exiting as that guy gets to talk with the cops. There are several moments where we see the man who's very frustrated outside pacing and walking. And, and I am. I'm processing, like, okay, what's going to happen? Like, I don't know. Something crazy is going to go down. And so I'm just being very alert. And as we kind of button up, I just told Sean, I was like, okay, I'm going to pay for this. And we're walking straight to the guard, get in the car, like get the kids buckled in. You know, because that's the unfortunate part is it's not like just jump in the car and close the door. You got to keep kids in car seats. I don't know. Someone needs to make millions and figure out something else, okay? Car seats is just, they're from hell. Anyways, um, so we're getting the kids buckled up, and I overhear the guy talking to the cop. And when he's talking to the cop, he's telling the cop a different story than what he told the people inside. And I was like, okay, you said this guy beat you up, which he did, because I can tell. You ain't tell nobody that you picked up some pole off the ground at an intersection and hit him over the head with it. I'd have beat you up, too. Or had I gotten some friends to beat you up, like something. And so as I just walked away, I was like, man, we just had this whole fiasco when really we probably should have told him, like, hey, bro, go out there and either, either win or lose, but don't bring it in here. You know what I mean? But what I realized in that moment, I know it sounds silly, but honesty matters. Honesty matters. Because when the cop heard the situation, he was like, wait a second. So he, he was like, so really, both of y'all. And so he brings them both in. They end up both getting in trouble. It was a whole deal, right? Honesty matters. It matters. And when I look at Nicodemus in this moment, he, there was a partial honesty there. But I'm telling you, if there's anything in your life that is hidden, the Bible says that when you uncover it, it brings freedom. You don't, God doesn't want you to uncover things to put shame on you. He wants to get shame off of you. That's the gospel of Jesus, shame off of you. And that's where honesty matters. 
So here's the interesting thing. We're about to see the second time that Nicodemus shows up. I got to go really fast. But here's what's interesting about the three times we see Nicodemus. I had this thought because my wife's pregnant and Jesus started with the first time. He said, be born again. A woman, when she's pregnant, there's three trimesters. The first trimester, a woman can really be in the first trimester and you not even know she's pregnant. She can not even know she's pregnant for some time, right? Because it's just in the dark of the womb, everything's beginning to grow and to happen. I just find it interesting that Jesus talks about being born again. Nicodemus goes into a room at night in the dark, and there's really this voyage that begins. Because check out number two, and when I think about the second trimester, look what happens in John chapter 7. When the temple guards returned without having arrested Jesus, the leading priests and Pharisees demanded, why didn't you bring him in? We've, we've never heard anyone speak like this, the guards responded. Have you been led astray too, the Pharisees mocked? Is there a single one of us rulers or Pharisees who believes in him? This foolish crowd follows him, meaning Jesus, but they are ignorant of the law. God's curse is on them. Verse 50, then Nicodemus, here he is, second time. Then Nicodemus, the leader who had met with Jesus earlier, spoke up. Is it legal to convict a man before he's given a hearing? Verse 52, are you from Galilee too? Search the scriptures and see for yourself. No prophet ever comes from Galilee. So here's the religious people looking at Nicodemus, who's a religious person as well, going, what? Are, are, are you about him? You like all this? But I just find it interesting. Trimester one, here he is in the dark. Trimester two is when a woman begins to show, and here's Nicodemus going, you know what? Hey, doesn't he deserve a fair hearing? Like, is this right? He, he begins to show, maybe just a little bit, but there's this thing that's happening in Nicodemus' life. He's on this voyage of becoming. When we in the church have made it about one specific moment, what if it's not about just one moment, but what if it's about a bunch of moments? What if it's about a bunch of encounters with Jesus? And so, number two, write this down if you're taking notes. On the voyage, always stand up for what's right. That was Nicodemus in this moment. Like these people, the, the religious people are saying, man, I can't believe you guys didn't arrest him. And, and, and do you believe anything he says? And here's Nicodemus just stepping up going, hey, doesn't he deserve a fair trial? Shouldn't we do this the right way? He gets accused for it. And then there's, a, there's, a, there, there's this third story. This third time that we see Nicodemus in scripture. And in this third time with Nicodemus, it's really, really interesting what happens. Now, again, we don't know what happened after the first two encounters. All I know is he asked some questions, he left the room. All I know is he said in front of his homeboys, hey, shouldn't we do this the right way? And they, they mocked him for it. And after those two encounters, I don't know what happened. But move to the end of the book of John. Look at verse, chapter 19, verse 38. Afterward, now this is after Jesus' death, okay, Jesus has died. Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus, newsflash, we're in the new covenant, no secret disciples allowed. Okay, this is this is bold and unashamed secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus's body. So Joseph of Arimathea, he believed in Jesus, but he was quiet about it. After Jesus dies, he goes and asks for permission. Hey, can I take the body of Jesus down? I have a tomb. Could I put his body in the tomb and give him, you know, a respectful, proper burial? When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. Verse 39. Are you ready? With him came Nicodemus. Everybody say Nicodemus. The man who had come to Jesus at night, he brought about 70 pounds of perfumed ointment made of myrrh and aloes. Following Jewish burial custom, they wrapped Jesus' body with spices and a long sheet of linen cloth. The place of the crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb never used before. And so it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover. And since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. 75 pounds. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? 
okay, may maybe it doesn't make sense here. Jewish custom is five pounds. Five pounds of spices for whoever dies. Aunt, uncle, mama, daddy. Five pounds, Jewish custom for someone who passes away. Nicodemus carries 75 pounds. 75 pounds. Like, like look, if you're a secret disciple, I love Jesus and all, but I don't really need knowing. Everybody knowing that I'm going to do this, right? I could probably hide five pounds. I, I probably could. Some of us are hiding five pounds. You know what I'm saying? Okay, sorry. My bad. Shirt looks good on you, though, right? I could, I could hide five pounds, but I promise you this. Carry 75 pounds, you better be willing to be unashamed. You better be willing that people know that you're carrying something. Oh, I forgot to tell you. Five pounds, Jewish custom. 75 pounds, only for royalty. Which means that Nicodemus must have gone on a voyage of becoming that he asked Jesus a question at night because he was curious, but I'm not too sure. He shows up a second time and he says, hey, I think this guy deserves a fair trial. But by the time Jesus dies, what he's carrying is saying he's a king. He's the king of kings. He deserves a royal burial because that's the king. That's the king of the Jews. That's the Messiah. That's the risen one. That's him. Here is Nicodemus carrying 75 pounds only for royalty. Only for royalty, and this is the, my, my, my final point, worship team, you can come up. On the voyage, you and I better figure out how to spend it all on the king. Spend it all. Every breath, everything you put your hand to. When, when you're at a job you don't like, the Bible says that we don't work unto man. We work unto the Lord. Students, when you're at school and you hate math as much as I hated math, whew, whew. There's like several things that I'm pretty sure theologically are in hell. Math is one. Uh, well, we know there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, so dental work. And if you're a dentist, we love you that you're here. But <laughs> just, just everything we do, spend it all on the king. And I look at Nicodemus, and here he is, going on this voyage of becoming. And I think he went on a voyage of becoming a follower of Jesus. We actually have historical writings that show us he was one of the major builders of the early church in the book of Acts, and he was killed for his faith. He was a martyr for the name of Jesus. Why? Because after he asked Jesus some questions, Jesus was like, you better answer right now. No, Jesus just let him go on his voyage. And here he was carrying 75 pounds, unashamed, to just spend it all on the king. And there's one really interesting thing about Nicodemus. You know, when you're studying scripture, again, the English language, God bless us, it's just not very good. It's not very dense. So the name Nicodemus in Greek, it actually means victory. Victory for the people. That's what Nicodemus means. Victory for the people. And I just had the thought to myself, what if Nicodemus wouldn't have asked some questions? See, your questions are so valued and valid that your questions could end up bringing victory for a whole group of people. I wonder. I know he was hiding from his friends at the beginning. But when people started saying, hey, Nicodemus is carrying 75 pounds of stuff to cover the body of Jesus. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? I wonder how many of them was like, he does believe. I was wanting to believe, but I was worried what everyone else thought. Could it be that Nicodemus and the way that he went on this voyage ended up being not just victory for him, 
but victory for other people too. What if you saying yes to Jesus isn't just about you, but it's about your spouse? Wives, what if you're showing up and your husband's just kind of lackadaisical, I don't really get it, and you continue to pray and believe that he's going to be a man of God, and you show up and you spend it all on the king, and God begins to pour favor and blessing out on your life, and your husband steps back and says, dang, I know you was good, but I didn't know you was that good. And you're like, no, I'm not. He's that good. And then here your husband shows up, or maybe vice versa, or young people. I know there's young people showing up here, and sometimes it's not even mom and dad requiring you to be here. It's one of my favorite things when I watch teenagers show up to church and they're like, I'm here because I want to be here, not because anyone's making me be here. I've watched entire families turn around because of that, because they were willing to spend it all on the king. Are you standing to your feet today? There's nothing like this voyage of following Jesus. And I don't know if you're in a place of you've got some questions. I don't know if you're in a place where you're like, I kind of want to just speak up for Jesus. Some of you, you know where it's at, and I'm just telling you, as your pastor or as the pastor in the room, maybe you're like, you ain't my pastor yet. I'm just checking it out. That's fine. You do you, boo-boo. I'm just saying that being here in this room, operating in discernment, I can tell you that some of you are at the place when, we're, when, it, when it's worship time, God is literally tugging on you to say, yeah, just go ahead and surrender. Literally lift your hands. So you're like, oh, I don't have to lift my hands to worship God. You don't have to lift your hands to worship God. Why not lift our hands when the Bible says, lift your hands, lift your voice, clap. If the Bible says it, I'm going to do it because it's called obedience, and he's worthy of it all. He's worthy of it all. For some of you, you're right there in number two. You're in trimester two. It's time to show a little bit. It's just time to show a little bit. Maybe it's time to sow a little bit when it comes to serving or giving. I'm just telling you, you're, you, everyone is somewhere on this voyage. Some of you are right there at the end, and you're like, I love Jesus. I just don't need everybody at work to know. I don't need everybody see. And some of you, dude, it's time to drop. Just, hey, here's, this is you. Look, everybody's going to see it. Everybody's going to know. I don't care anymore. He's so worthy. He's so worthy. He's so good. He's so faithful. Some of you, you've done the religious thing. You've gone to church your whole life. When was the last time you had an encounter with, with God that when you walked away from that moment, you're like, I'll never be the same because of that moment I met with God. That's our heart. Not to create for Sundays. Our heart is that you would have encounters with God like that daily, daily. I love this. I can't wait for Monday morning. I can't wait to get alone with God. I can't wait to put worship on the TV and just begin to worship him in my house because he's that good. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I got two questions. If you're in this room today and you're like, man, I, 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 want, I want this. I want what you're talking about. I want what Jesus has to offer. Maybe you've never just said, hey, I'm all in. Jesus, I'm giving you everything. If that's you today and you want to do that, will you lift your hand in this room? Yeah, I see you. Amen. So if you just lifted your hand, I want you to know that this is literally the simplicity of the gospel. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Confess with your mouth. Jesus, your Lord. Everybody say it with me. Jesus, your Lord. And then you believe that in your heart. I can't make you believe that. That word heart is the word cardia. It means the center of who you are. With everything you've got. And you do that, you literally begin the voyage of becoming like Christ. 
But I think in this room, there's, a, there's some of you, like, I believe in Jesus, but I feel like God's calling me to take another step in my voyage, just calling me farther. Maybe that's getting in the word daily. Maybe that's worshiping him in a new way. If you're in this room today and you're like, I feel like God is calling me to take another step in my voyage with Jesus, I want you to lift your hands. I want to pray over you today. Yeah, hands up all over the room so you are not alone. Jesus is calling people to go farther with their voyage with him. Whatever that looks like. So this is my prayer right now, Jesus. Every hand that's lifted in the room, God, you see them. God, you know their hearts. God, you know what they're going through. God, you know the things that's happening in their family. God, you know the struggles. God, you know the doubts. God, you know the things, God, with their finances. God, you know every area of their life. God, you know doctor's diagnosis. God, you know the doubts. Lord, I pray right now that you would flood in, God, with your spirit, God, revealing that you are present. Jesus, that you're not going to take away every trouble, but you're going to be very present in the time of trouble. And that's Sometimes, God, the greatest growth moments of our lives is when we take another step with you when it's not easy, when it's difficult. God, thank you that we get the opportunity to suffer for the gospel a little bit because you're that good. And so, Lord, I pray for every person, whatever that looks like. God, I pray when they wake up, they wake up with a hunger for your word. God, I pray that they begin to care less about what other people think and lean into everything that you say about them. And Jesus, that Today is just another day for the rest of their life following you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to check us out on thevoyage.church to stay updated on everything God is doing in our city.